0: I'm Deb Ondo, and this is What's Art Got To Do With It? Conversations about aesthetic experiences and approaches to art and life. Today, I talk with Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter Jen Merza. Her songwriting style has been described as an ironic marriage of somber lyrics and playful rhythmic grooves. The Boston Globe wrote, Vocal standout Jen Merza has beaten the pack by continually defying genres. Recording artist Brandi Carlisle said, I got to see Jen's set and thought it was really amazing. It was really nice to see another girl singing big and singing loud. We may kidnap her and take her on the rest of the tour with us. Jen's career highlights include being XM Satellite Radio Radar Report's Artist of the Week. She was also a Boston Music Awards nominee for Best New Act. A starbucks music maker semi-finalist and a part of new york's singer-songwriter circle at the bitter end whose alumni includes vanessa carlton and nora jones there's great conversation and some music ahead let's get to it welcome it's great to have you here nice to be here we've known each other for a long time I worked with your wife, Angela, at NECN in Boston. We all became friends. We had some some great times. Eventually, I moved to New York, and you and Ange moved to L.A., which is where you are right now. How many years ago did you move to L.A.? Yeah, it's been 11 years. And you followed a job
1: out there, right, as I recall? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was always trying to coax Ange out this way, but someone I worked with in Boston had a contact at Fox. So I got to like, literally I flew out for an interview. They flew me out and I got the job and moved very shortly after that. Um, Yeah, I remember it was fast. It was really fast, (laughs) Um, but it was great obviously to come out with a job ahead of everything. So then, uh, so Ange didn't have to be worried about she could take her time to look for her
0: job. So you have intriguing stories, both on and off stage. You're a software engineer by day, which is notable in its own right from a, from a gender and diversity perspective sure. in the tech world. And I'd like to come back a little bit later in the conversation to the work you're doing today with STEM,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: which is an artist-based, artist-centric distribution platform for musicians. And I think it's really intriguing and I think really important to hear what that organization is doing and and your work with them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. First though, I'd like to just dive right into your, your life as a singer songwriter. So when did you first feel the music inside?
1: How did that discovery work for you? Probably in the womb. I mean, uh, (laughs) I like, I really had, um, very close relationship with my mom. And my mom and I just sang all the time. I mean, since I can remember, we would sing. um, And it was like one of our ways that we connected just on the regular. And she had a beautiful voice that uh, I just remember, I have so many memories of us being in the car and just hearing her sing along to the radio. And at that time, it was often like a Karen Carpenter song. (laughs) She had that kind of smooth voice. And um, so I loved when she sang. And And so she was always really encouraging of of anything I did creatively. She was a very creative person. And so very young, like I remember like one Christmas, my parents got my brothers all these like instruments. And I was like a little bit young for that, but I was really like pretty envious of all these guitars (laughs) and everything that they had. And so I used to dream about like I would go to sleep at night and I would just picture this guitar that I saw once in a window and that was like, one day I'm going to have a guitar. I want a motorcycle and I want to live in Hollywood. And those were like my dreams when I was like three years old. <laughs> oh my God. But my my mom like was really supportive. Like I remember, like I borrowed one of my brother's guitars and I went to my neighbor's house, my next door neighbor, Philip, and we were just always into something new. And we started just like messing around. He had a bass guitar. And then we sort of just started to like play Ozzy Osbourne music. And we started like a band you know? and <laughs> a <laughs> so we both got guitar lessons uh, at the same time, and we would we would write songs, and it was like you know just really fun because both of our parents, both of our moms, were like really behind us, like doing that. They knew that we were like really into it, and they they didn't treat it like a goofy thing. They took it seriously with us, and so yeah. you know they would like let us rehearse very loudly and uh, and listen to you know when we wanted to show them something we worked on. And we would record ourselves all the time and play it back. And so it was like very early, like probably between eight and nine, that I was like really get into the, actually like songwriting. It was in my family. Like my, I have a brother that just could play uh, piano by ear. He's he just has that natural ability. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of singing and sort of like ability to pick up an instrument and sort of do something on it, whether it was like really proficient or not. Like we just kind of all had that like natural desire to do
0: mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: And so, yeah, so early I took guitar lessons. And then um, I think when I got to be like a teenager, I kind of like stepped away from that and kind of got all kind of caught up in the high school, like, you know, click thing and, you know, kind of trying to be, find my way into like fitting into the crowd. And (laughs) so I wasn't really doing the music as much until I got into college. And then somewhere in like my second year, I said, I'm gonna buy myself a guitar. And so um, I went and found something cheap and started learning songs again that I was into at that time. And uh, gosh, I remember um, we came up here actually to L.A. for my last semester of college. And we went away uh, like the whole class went away to this uh, resort up in Channel Islands. And they told us that there was going to be like a talent night. And so I had my guitar and I decided to like learn a few covers and I ended up getting up and performing and I was so nervous. I yep. hadn't done that forever, but it was a blast. And so I kind of just stuck with that. And it was like in my early twenties that I, uh, through a friend I worked with um, met some guys that were doing open mics uh, at the barn in, in Somerville and Davis square.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were looking for someone to sing and she just kind of connected us. And it was like for a good, like, couple of years there, we had this band and we were really heavily songwriting and gigging. And that was where like it became sort of a different level for me where I was like mm-hmm. taking it more professionally um, and getting some like decent gigs and getting to open for some good local acts and sort of like taking a little bit more care with like how I like wrote a song and mm-hmm. the way that I was playing my guitar and singing, just sort of like revisiting that, taking lessons again and trying to, you know, take it more seriously. So. yeah
0: I, I mean in, in you know that time in Boston it, it really did feel like you were you know really entering into the music scene um yeah. you know getting attention performing regularly is that a fair characterization of yeah in there yeah absolutely it was i was really lucky I think things
1: happen serendipitously like when you're kind of ready for the opportunity yeah it shows up and um so it just it was like not the right fit for me long term the the band I was in but I got a, had a lot of fun I had so much fun with these guys they were really all just great guys really good friends um, really supportive I learned a lot from working with them but uh, and inevitably I decided I wanted to do something like different stylistically and so I ended up kind of being on my own more mm-hmm. until I hooked up with someone that was booking me on the regular he was booking me at gosh what was it the the Sky, Sky Lounge, I think, in Somerville. <laughs> I have to think back though. Um, but Joe Filoni um, was booking me, and then I found out through his bartender that he was like this phenomenal guitarist. And he said, you should really ask him to sit in with you sometime. And I did, and all of a sudden we were just, that was it. We were just always doing gigs together, and he became like my guitarist. So for the rest of my time in Boston, pretty much every gig I did, I had Joe along with me.
0: You were evolving as as a musician. You know what else was happening for you during that time? I mean, how, you know, in retrospect, looking back, how did that experience carry you forward? You know, a, a, as an artist. Well, let me tell you, I was probably going
1: through the hardest time of my life uh, when the music was really starting to pick up for me. Um, gosh, I I had a lot going on. Like I'd say, just just before I hit thirty, I started to notice that I was having a lot of like almost i can see it all now very clearly but i was starting to have like health issues and i was getting like a lot of like um brain fog and i was having like carpal tunnel i would get uh like eye strain and a lot of times i would just write it off as it was me working at the computer all day Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and my doctors would say that my doctor actually said i should change my career (laughs) and i i had someone i worked with that was like you look like i used to look and she had this uh, uh hypothyroidism
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I decided to ask my doctor to check me for it. And she actually completely invalidated me. And so wow. like for 10 years, I was actually asking several different um, doctors that I had to check me out and they just kind of blew me off. And it turned out I've, I've had a serious, like my thyroid almost doesn't exist at this point. That's how much damage had been done to it over that time. But I, w- I wasn't understanding why I was like, I would have a gig and I would get, um, I'd be on stage, and I would get this tremendous sharp pain in my uh, spine, like a nerve pain, and it would like really debilitate me, and I'd have to like try to get through my set, and sometimes it would really interfere with my ability to sing, Mm. and um, just like kind of like having all these issues where my hands might lock up in the middle of playing, and I didn't realize I had an actual health issue, Um, and on top of all of that, and over the years of Re- research, uh, seeing that it's very likely related that the hypothyroidism could be a result of trauma, I was realizing um, coming to terms with that I had been um, I had been abused by uh, a sibling. So I, I was coming to terms with that, which was a very incredibly dark period. So all this time that I was actually becoming kind of a little bit more visible publicly,
0: <laughs> mm. I was
1: at the same time going through this incredible, traumatic moments and having like all this um, sort of like breakdown within my family where they were really unhappy with me bringing this up, speaking the truth about it. And so I was, as I was having some of the most amazing opportunities show up in my life that were like my dreams yeah, you know, coming to fruition, I didn't have my family's support. They weren't there. They weren't showing up for those moments. Um, so it was like a really strange dichotomy, but the music certainly got me through that time. <laughs> like that That was a big lesson for me that, uh, and I had a friend that um, at the time, he was trying to sort of like mentor me. And he he was like this uh, sort of like virtuoso piano player, like, no, no kidding. Like actually uh, he like studied with Bill Evans when he was a child, um, really phenomenal pianist. And he he was trying to mentor me and he said to me, you know, Jen, no matter what you do in your life, never let go of the music because that's going to be the thing that gets you through everything. Like when all else is gone, you're going to find that and that's going to keep you moving forward. And that is absolutely proven true for me.
0: I think about it in my own life, you know, and it's for me, it's painting yeah. and to some degree writing. Yeah. And those are the things that when everything else is crumbling, that's right. I mean, that's where yeah. we go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And I mean you can think of it in a simplified way. Like the other day, um, my daughter Mabel was watching a show that had something scary on it and Angie and I said, like, why don't you paint? And she painted like one of the scariest pictures <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's amazing. It's actually really cool. Okay. But you know, like we we can just process our feelings. That's yeah. one thing that's like at the base basic level of doing something creative, right? It's just to get yeah. the like out. Yeah. But then we can also journey through it and sort of like create our create a new narrative for ourselves. Yeah, our it
0: it's so it's so true because it it it's the personal, so it's the macro and the micro, right? Yeah. Because there's and, and the premise of this show is you know, what's art got to do with it? And so here we are in this time of incredible uncertainty and unrest. And you know, artists and culture bearers. You know traditionally have always you know we, we bear witness we participate where we can we influence sometimes we disrupt points of view policy policies power structures um and you know the, there's a need during a time like this for artist intervention but you could argue that artist intervention is required at so many different times yeah throughout our our individual lives on a personal level, and then certainly as it relates to a more social human level, yes. uh, and, and that's what I'm I'm hearing from you is is that, you know, these artistic interventions that we might do for ourselves are mm-hmm. really helping us find a new way forward.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when you think of it, in order to be creative, uh, in order to be creative in a way that actually reaches people, you have to become completely vulnerable, completely honest. Otherwise, people can see through that, they can feel when you're not. And yeah. I've certainly had moments where I've kind of dialed it in, but you know when you're actually having that that sort of magical connection moment where yeah. you're, all, you're all having this moment together, where you're like giving energy to each other. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that is for me like the glue in my life, it's like when I'm feeling absolute despair and I wanna shut myself down I can just throw on like some old song that i mm-hmm. love from when i was a kid and i just feel i can feel my entire self open again yeah and like i actually was kind of in a funk this morning to be honest with you and i made this playlist for myself on mm-hmm. spotify that is really just utterly cheesy
0: <laughs> like
1: the cheesiest possible
0: those 70s. could be the best those are the best the time, so. and by you know a couple of songs
1: in i was kind of up and bouncing around a little bit
0: so and you know, there there are different art forms, right? And yeah. music, though, you know, music does, it transcends. There, there's something so visceral and something um so spiritual, even when we're not even willing to call it spiritual. There's yeah. that there's that holy, holy aspect <laughs> to listening to music. Yeah. And then, you know, for for you as a singer-songwriter, there is that experience of being able to take that one step further and actually create mm-hmm. a new form. Yeah. Yeah. You can sort of be with be with all of that and yeah. find a way to express it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through your music.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say, like, um, there is no better feeling to me than when I see folks, like, get up from their seats and start to dance. And I don't care if I'm at that moment, if I'm performing a cover or original song. Of course, it does feel a bit better when it's an original song. But <laughs> just uh, when you can, you've suddenly given people joy and they're yeah. just... Every, whatever they carried in, in with them at that moment, they've just let it all go.
0: And yeah. I love that. That's great. I love that. Okay. And it's a perfect segue to our first clip. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to see people actually getting up and dancing oh, okay. to <laughs> was when you were um, opening for Brandy Carlile in Boston. What's that like for you, uh, um, that moment when you were opening for for Brandy?
1: That was the best, that was the absolute best moment I ever had uh, doing music. Um, I don't know if you ever felt this with anything that you've done artistically, but you ever have a moment where you know everything's just aligned for you to succeed, like that every single possible thing is just ready for you to just show up and succeed. And I, mm. I could just feel that. I felt it that day, but when I got uh, to the venue First of all, the people that run it are just so lovely. Um, In fact, um, the person who booked me invited Anne and I to come back for another show for an artist that I happen to really like. They were just so friendly and warm, really supportive of us just having a good show. We got to have like a real sound check for like a good amount of time. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had people show up, people that didn't always necessarily show up. I had a lot of people there I didn't even expect to see. And just knowing knowing that I had that support and that people were there just to have a lovely time. It wasn't sort of like, I don't know, sometimes I think when you gig and you are inviting people that you know over and over again, you get like, you kind of are aware that there's like this obligatory <laughs> kind of feeling to inviting people. But But this was such a lovely evening at a beautiful venue with also followed by this tremendous artist that was like, I'm sure most people hadn't heard about in my life. So it was like a real gift for them to get exposed to her. And her band, um, and so I just remember this this moment was phenomenal. So I had this great set; like everything went really, really smoothly with the band and, and everything. Um, and I was on such a high because I knew it went well. That like I so I was on this high, and I just couldn't wait to find Ange. All I could think about was I got to go see Ange and tell her how just great that felt.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: so I left. I go get behind stage, and I'm walking out the exit, and. <laughs> Brandy Carlisle is coming up to me and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, still thinking like, Ange, Ange, I got to go find Ange. And she's like, hey, I just wanted to tell you, like, that was a great set. Like, I really enjoyed it. And she's talking to me and I'm walking and I'm still leaving and she's (laughs) following me to the gate. Like, I'm not even, like, getting what's happening. Yeah,
0: the moment. Like, yeah.
1: And she's being so lovely and gracious and just really, like, I could tell she was being really sincere. She certainly doesn't have to go up to all her, like, opening acts and say that. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, so I'm, like, taking it in, but not because I'm just, like, oh, I got to find Anne. So I I kind of, like, I can't believe that still happened. <laughs> it's, like, one of those moments yeah. that if I could go back, I would I would stay still <laughs> yeah. and probably stay too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, so I ended up talking to her kind of briefly. And then I found Ange and I'm talking to Ange and she's at this table where my CDs are. Cause she was so good about, you know, just being my manager and taking care of all that stuff. And and I'm just like talking to her and she's like, Jen, like, look. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And she's like, there's a line. I had this like line of like a hundred people waiting to meet me and buy CDs and take photos with me. Wow. And it was, um it was just lovely. I mean, it was so nice because I could talk to each person. There's like young and old. I got to see children that like, were so excited. Like someone grabbed my set list and wanted me to autograph it. And it's like, you know, it's like the ego loves that. <laughs> you can't, you can't, no. you can't <laughs> deny it. Right People had such a nice time. They wanted to come and meet me or buy my music to continue to hear it. You know, like any, that's like your absolute, that's the goal. Like that's, that's what you're, when you're trying to do that for a living, that is the goal. So I spent a good amount of time like having these people having these fans show up, and and then at the end of the night like some folks wanted to take a picture with me and with brandy so i kind of kind of got to see brandy again <laughs> <laughs> but it was just it couldn't have gone off more perfectly it was like the, the the complete success to the point that i didn't know what to do with myself afterwards because i had had something that was at that level mm-hmm. that going to play a borders bookstore or some of the usual venues I was doing kind of like felt like I gotta I gotta get more. Yeah. So it became difficult because, and I think this is true for all sort of creative ventures is you plateau, you like reach a certain level, you plateau and you have to kind of get to the next level. And it's kind of like you have highs and lows because of that experience. Absolutely. Where So I had that great moment, but it, I wouldn't say that necessarily I was ready for the next thing. I had a lot more work to do to to, to improve myself as a performer to be, to be able to perform in a at that size. I was used to small venues, and so there was like I was lucky that I was I was still getting like some good opening gigs. I I often was getting an opening gig up in Burlington, Vermont, at a venue called Higher Ground. So I got to open for some decent artists there um, as well, and it was also like a beautiful venue with great warm staff that always just made me feel like. I could have been like an important person, you know. <laughs> and um, so I had I had some some lovely experiences like that, but that that one was that to this day was the the topper for me. And and Ange was like beside herself because Brandy <laughs> Carlisle is just <laughs> her, her, her girl. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you characterized that moment so well. Jen, and I'm, I'm wondering when you were in the moment with all of that, do you think that you were grasping it in the moment or do you think that how, how you just expressed it came to you a little bit later on in retrospect? I was present. You were present. Yeah. I really was. Cause I remember this,
1: there was this young girl that would show up at some Meg gigs and, uh, and she kind of was hanging out with me. We were watching the Brandy set together. And I just looked at her at one point and I was like, I could just pass out. Right now like this is this is everything and, and brandy did she did in the microphone say like i think we should kidnap her and then this girl also um she looked at me she's like <laughs> i was like i'm ready <laughs> yeah, <let's go. laughs>
0: now you know i i it's interesting because i think that in those moments as artists move around and it's you know it's never it's never straight up you yeah. know, if up is even the right way to be thinking about it, but it's this yeah. this very kind of wavy line. But if we think about it in a sort of a hierarchical fashion, you know, we we do ebb and flow, and yeah. when you have those those high moments like that, you feel that you know yeah. you're you know what you're capable of, and you you really know that you're capable of even more, like yeah. You, you just know it. You talked yeah. it earlier about you know lines to succeed, and they're ready. They're ready for you to show up, and so you're looking for that next line. Yeah. Right. It's a mix of you know you've got to create that line for yourself, but yet it, there there are also so many other outside factors and influences that will that, that also play a role. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I've never been good at
1: is um, networking. I never did that work. I never did it in Boston, and I never really did it out here in Los Angeles, and I think gosh, if I had really gotten uncomfortable, and, and really start to focus a bit more on that networking aspect of things, like if I didn't have Ange, because Ange was really the secret sauce for me, because she, she became my manager. Um, she believed in me enough to do that. And she just had that natural gift to know how to seek out the opportunities and how to message it.
0: Yeah. she knew
1: she knew how to like, get to a booker and know they're getting all these requests to book. Let's um, not just say, oh, blah, 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 you should book Jen, but like, let's say, we see you have an opening on this night and Jen would fit really well with this artist because, and she would do their job for them. And she just had Mm -hmm. like a natural Mm -hmm. knack at understanding the way to sort of make, make those opportunities really happen. And so having that partnership. Yeah. Is, was essential, essential. Mm-hmm. But I think we find that it's usually folks in our lives when we we have opportunities. Usually from from people in our lives. Like it's rare when it comes out of nowhere. You know. Um, Absolutely.
0: And, yeah. and, and it so, never really does because it never really does <laughs> all that work you're doing at two yeah. o'clock in the morning or you know yeah. sleepless nights or whatever. Whatever it looks like. There's all yes. of that that nobody will ever know about. Nobody will ever see. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yep
1: so you had to do the work you have to have the goods but i think a lot of times we do need a partner to help us match that with an opportunity
0: yeah it's a good point and and increasingly so it is very difficult because almost for all creatives today Mm -hmm. there's an expectation that you're going to do it all that's a farce it's a farce
1: (laughs) i mean i think there are i think there are the rare unicorn people that that they they do the whole thing they're really like the uh um, independent artist that that does the whole thing and they do the business side of it. There are those people for sure. They are rare. As I'm learning from my work, from people who have been seasoned in the industry and in the, um, you know, the real like uh, big label, mm-hmm. uh, big agency industry, they say, look, there really isn't an independent artist. Everyone that's successful has a team, whether it's one other person. Like no one's doing this by themselves. It's just not. They can't they have to have a team. So that's what the insiders know that, that, that story is Pretty, but it's not quite accurate.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's working for the systems that are in place. It's working for yeah. corporate America to a- apply those partnerships and to have yeah. to spend that money. So and yeah. and to put the burden, if you will, burden on on the artist. I, and I think it applies across genres. You know, as a as a yeah. visual artist, um, I, I feel a tr- tremendous burden mm-hmm. to, have to do it all. And and I'm being told, frankly, in many of my circles, that I need to. I need to do, you know, I need to do it all. And uh, it's a struggle. But people say that, but, you know, there's the people
1: in your life that you know have formed a relationship with someone that owns a gallery, for instance. And because they have formed that relationship, they're going to get a showing and they're going to get their art exposed in a way that maybe you are. And so there's, even if someone is, you know, doing
0: it themselves, they're not, they're not in a vacuum. (laughs) No, it's right. And, and, And you're right. Networking is important. Networking is important and I, I and I, I want you to know that I, I really can empathize with you because it's it's I, I could do it, I can turn it on, I can do it. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, but it's necessary. It's yeah. I, I can appreciate that. I'm talking with singer songwriter Jen Murza. If you're enjoying this episode Please head over to iTunes and submit a review so more listeners can find us. Next, Jen shares the song she wrote for her grandmother and talks about how different the music scene is in L.A. My grandmother was,
1: now she passed after my mom had passed like, uh, gosh, like another decade later. And we were like, she was my best friend. From the time I was a child, like she, if there's such a thing as a soulmate, she was definitely a soulmate for me. We just got each other, and we just could give each other like a little look and just know exactly what was happening. I don't know. We just we would seek each other out if we were at a family gathering or anything. We just found, I think, real comfort in one another. Uh, we knew how to be playmates, and uh, so she was, she was somebody that, much like my mom, the, the two of them, I feel very lucky, because I I really don't think everybody has this experience. And that's something I assumed people did. Because you know what you know, but like, they literally loved me unconditionally, they saw me, they, they knew who I was, they knew I was gay. Like they knew, they knew all the things about me that make me me. And they just loved me. They didn't love me in spite of those things. They just, they just loved me as I was. And, and so I was really, like blessed to have known that kind of love Mm -hmm. and so i wrote the song after my my grandmother passed away and it's about that gosh what i've learned about it's kind of interesting (laughs) i could go on forever about this topic but it's funny but i've I've been asked to perform that song at sort of like celebrations of life Mm -hmm. and i've been told by deacons or whoever's been sort of like hosting those ceremonies uh like you're good at this (laughs) you should be doing these (laughs) and so I kind of I guess I've been asked to do weddings and I've been asked to do like funerals and (laughs) what I've learned though is that I write I write a lot about love but I write about love from sort of those two endpoints, and I guess all at once which is that um I've really learned that love is forever. When it's true, it deepens, and you you absolutely know it unquestionably when the person is no longer with you, and that you can still feel it so powerfully that it feeds your soul still, even mm. when they're not there, that they loved you up so well that it lasts your entire life. Um, so that's really what the song is, is about, and that I've been able to convey that message to people who have needed to hear it. And so that's been a, probably one of the most special experiences I've had as far as songwriting is that this song has reached people uh, who've really needed to have that message that the love is there forever and you don't have to have the person anymore your love transforms into something bigger than it could have ever been when the person was physically here because you don't have those human constraints anymore.
0: Thank you Jen without further ado let's let's play the beautiful <laughs> song. can feel your love coming through in that song.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've actually, I've had moments where i performed that and just started weeping. It's one of those like open
0: yeah. moments. You know. <laughs> yeah, and we need more of that in life. Absolutely. <laughs> we really do. So, okay, so we did Boston. Let's move to LA now. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, you moved to Los Angeles, worked with, with Fox, um, your software engineer, and you got married you and angela got married yeah and yeah. you gave birth to your beautiful daughter mabel yeah i think that um, artists with families you know grapple with mm-hmm. there's the practicalities of earning a living and having a job there's the practicalities of being a wife a mother everything in between and yeah. you know maybe there are collective disciplines at play in these in these moments in our lives where has the music been in, inside all of that yeah, so I'll say that I came to Los Angeles, which is
1: very different from Boston because Boston is such a small town that you can be a big fish in a small pond there. I think it's um, it's easier to kind of carve out a place for yourself. Los Angeles is a machine for the entertainment industry. And, you know, it's very predatory of, you know, the people that want to make it here. And so I found very quickly that uh, all like the, you know, hip venues our pay to play scenario. So they want you they want you to buy up all like the tickets ahead of time. And, and, and you know, I just I didn't know a lot of people mm-hmm. here. And um, I was working really, really hard at my job. And it was a very stressful job. It was a job w- that was um, a cacophony of <laughs> drama happening um, in a studio environment. And it was one of those things where I'd be ready to leave for the night and find out that the show's about to go live. And I have to All of a sudden build this web (laughs) page. I didn't know about because it has to be ready for when the show's like over or something. And so, you know, I ended up filling a managerial gap at this job and kind of like taking on a lot of responsibilities administratively, trying to fix things. And so I wasn't able to have the energy to put into my music very much as far as like gigging. Mm-hmm. I was lucky that I found a really great tasting room out in Malibu, uh, this beautiful little um, vineyard. They have like an outdoor tasting room that's just across the way from the vineyard. And that kind of became like my regular gig that I would do. And they would like pay me in a box of wine and like give me okay. another little bit of money that I would give to like my drummer that I I had this um really great drummer, Josh Doyle, and he's also a, a really great songwriter. So I started like working with him on songwriting and doing stuff for licensing. And we actually got some stuff, like I think like we had a song on like Dance Moms. And, like, I've, had some, I've had some stuff of like that nature mm-hmm. where I've, I've had some licensing and I still get like little royalties from those things. And that's that's great. I mean, I cannot complain about that. I wanted to do more of that. And I also wanted to work on my own music again as well. Um, and that's just been, you know, a challenge of time, you know, to carve out, but. Uh, just before I stepped into this new job, I had the sort of the luxury of in my different careers I've had since I'd, I've been out here, I found um, an opportunity to become a vendor when I was just about to give birth. I became a vendor for the company I had previously been working at full time and I could be part time as the vendor and stay home. So it was like this just perfect situation to become a new mom and be home and you know all of that. So because I was part time and the job was not terribly demanding. I found that I was being creative again, so I started writing again, and so I was kind of preparing to to put together another album uh, just as I got this new job, and then I've sort of just been immersed in in that, and it's been very busy. This job has been very demanding as well, but I, I feel like in a better, in a good way.
0: <laughs> so. so tell us about STEM. Absolutely. So it was really fortuitous. I... Kind of like after the
1: election, um, as you and I had had talked quite a bit, I was looking for something I wanted to do to improve things in the world some way. And so I had, as a software engineer, I had a whole bunch of like app ideas I was working on. And, um, and Josh actually became someone that was really interesting to, to bounce ideas off of. He's very smart. He has a lot of ideas, very creative person. So we were starting to think about different apps we could build and different problems we could solve. And one of the things we ended up coming up with was this idea of, of having this app for uh, songwriters where they could keep all of their catalog, um, everything from like the files, the recordings, the lyrics, but not just that, have a place for them to put all of the metadata that is needed when you wanna submit your music to a licensing opportunity. You have to have all these like, I have to have the music like tagged with all of these things to make it easier for the folks in the, um, the music supervision departments to know Like, is your song going to fit? Because they have too much to read through, right? This, again, like Ange would do, like trying to solve the problem for them. So really trying to make this place where you could not have to worry, like you could import your music that you've already released from iTunes or Spotify, sort of like get your catalog in there, try to take as much administrative work off of the songwriter to sort of like, have this sort of like beautiful little app that they have while they're writing music, they could put something new they're working on and collaborate, uh, or they can just manage their, existing catalog. Um, And then I wanted to take it a step further and have something where they had like analytics about their music that could kind of tell them like, what are the patterns about the songs that you write? Like, Mm. what, what what are the patterns about the art that you're creating? And what are the patterns that are happening currently in the industry that you may be not recognizing this hole that you could be filling? And sort of like trying to really make it a tool to help inspire artists to sort of create for the opportunities that maybe they're not aware are bubbling up based on trends that are happening. Sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'd gotten the app kind of pretty far. And at that time, things were kind of like looking a little shaky with my job where we had been acquired and they kind of wanted to hire me full time, but uh, doing things I didn't really want to do and not a great salary, to be honest. (laughs) So um, I just sort of like looked, I had this... um, this woman I had worked for at a previous job who I knew had gone into a uh, venture capitalism agency. And I just sort of like knew she was up to good things. And I went and just checked out their portfolio and saw this company. And I was like, this is really interesting. And then I dug in deeper and I was like, wow, they're, they're really about a lot of what I'm trying to do here. It's not exactly mm-hmm. the same solution, but they're they're trying to solve very similar problems. And so I wrote a cover letter uh, and talked about what I'd been working on and sort of like why I thought I would be a great fit for the company. And I, I like came in and I got hired the day I interviewed, like at the end of the interview, which never happens. I'm not surprised. It well, was just amazing, like another amazing moment uh, of things just kind of aligning. And it's been an amazing company because, and I'll talk about what they're what they're about. So they're um, they're really about enabling the independent artists and independent when they say independent they don't mean like the person who's by themselves because again that is such a rare situation but the smaller teams the smaller labels who are kind of like dependent upon the big labels because the reality of small labels is it's they're owned by the big labels um they make it look like there's this independent world of music but the big labels are powering those those independent labels so this is about getting the artists and all of the people that work with them, their teams, um, more money—the money they are really due—without these predatory record label deals, where they the, the label gets like eighty yeah. percent of your earnings. And so, this is about getting you more of your money directly. They they pay every month from your streaming royalties and your downloads. You get you get like that's a very unusual thing to get a check cut to, you and whoever else is a is, has a percentage of the rights to that music. So, one of the things that the company did and now there are some other companies doing it, but they were at the forefront of this was um allowing you to set up uh what we call splits on the music. So, and you could use that very creatively and the way Stem intended it was like you could go make a um video and decide you're going to give 2% of the streams to the person that, you know, helped you make your video instead of paying them with cash.
0: Mm. They're going to get
1: this check. So, Without So all you have to do is add these people, they accept that they are a shareholder, they put in some of their bank information, and they're getting checks cut from the from STEM, like the artist doesn't have to get a check in the mail, which I know about, because I have to do this sometimes, very rarely, <laughs> and go, all right, so-and-so has 20% of this, I have to figure out what, what to send them, and worry about all the taxes and everything. So this is like taking that administrative piece off of the artist, off of their team, making it really easy. And and you're getting, you're getting also far more, like you're getting distribution from, from us. Um, and you're getting like a, a, a real hand handholding uh, account team that's going to help. I mean, they're going to be at your beck and call and help you yeah. do all the things and a great um, pitch team that's helping you get licensing and get, and get onto playlists on Spotify. Like we have people really working to help push your music as well. But the newer uh, avenue that the, t- the company is going is really in um, becoming like a lender to artists. So instead of getting your money in this predatory record deal, where that you're, you know, you're you're having to give ownership of your work a- as well right. as uh, getting a small percentage of the earnings, we don't take any ownership of your music at all, and we actually give you a much better breakdown. <laughs> like you're getting much higher percentage. We take a small percentage. <laughs> So you can get, you know, we look at your earnings, your current earnings, and we kind of like say, like we pre qualify you essentially, and you Mm -hmm. can kind of see what you might qualify for and then um, opt in for an advance from us. And then we recoup that from your earnings until you meet that. And then when you meet it, it's over. There's no like forever. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, Milana uh, Rabkin. Lewis is the the CEO. She's the founder of the company, and she used to work um, at CAA, I believe. And so she's she used to represent artists. So she's seen she's seen it from all ends. Like we've had conversations how um, you know artists will put in their name last name first into ASCAP, or they'll misspell something and they won't get their money. <laughs> you know, like there's there's yeah. all these things that the art like a creative person. To be creative cannot be like thinking about all these little details, and they don't. They don't think about those details. Like a creative personality is less likely, (laughs) probably likely to be doing that. So this is about you know trying to make it a lot easier for you to just get your get the money for the artwork that you're putting out into the world
0: and all of the organizational help and having a platform. Are you, you're essentially replacing the big labels? Is that a fair way to? That is the goal. That is the goal is not yeah to not become like another
1: label but just give you all of the things that you really get from being in the label, which really in the end is money, the ability to get money. Like we have an artist that uh, instead of getting a mortgage loan, they got one of our advances and the percentage, uh, the interest rate is lower than a mortgage. It was easier for them to get qualified because an artist, it's really hard for an artist to go to a bank and say, like, give me money, look what I do for a living, and (laughs) this is what I make. We have have the direct connection of getting their streams and their downloads, so we know how much money they're earning. There's not that kind of difficulty in proving that you're a reliable person to lend money to uh, for a creative person.
0: Yeah, so. that's it's extraordinary. It's it's such an innovative model and it's democratizing yeah. you know, what it means to be a musician and not be at the mercy, as you say, of, of the predatory music world. Yeah, yeah it's fabulous, yeah. just fabulous. Yeah. Up next, the lightning round of quirky questions. What makes you awestruck?
1: What makes you say, wow? Oh, yeah, when I c- witness somebody growing, like having a moment where they've learned something in front of me and they, they've grown and they're like having a discovery and being really authentic is like
0: the coolest experience. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> what is the kindest thing someone has ever done for you? Oh, gosh. Well,
1: I could list a lot, but honestly, it was like my mom and my grandmother just showed me that that I was lovable. You know, just right away. Like, I have no doubt in my mind for the rest of my life that I've been loved in this life. So, yeah. Beautiful. What is your favorite tree? Eucalyptus and uh, I think cypress as well. We got uh, married under a cypress tree. So.
0: <laughs> That's right. I remember the photos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. What is your favorite smell? Um, Mabel's hair. <laughs> uh, love that. Yeah. What is your least favorite smell? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, old food in the trash. <laughs> Last question: What is your favorite kitchen utensil? Uh, I have not used it in a, in a while, um, but
1: I have I have a crepe spatula, a wooden crepe spatula. <laughs> I used to love to whip up crepes,
0: and uh, so one day I'll do that again. <laughs> Got it. That's great, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, congratulations, congratulations it by the, the way. Our- oh thank you thank you you. say hi to angela don't go away because jen is going to take us out
1: this is a new song uh ish song
0: called uh wasting time i realize it's terrible
1: i never did get comfortable
0: sharing myself with you But now I feel it's much too late For me to try and save the day I've wasted my chances, it's true You have been listening to What's Art Got to Do With It? I'm Deb Ondo. You can follow Jen online wherever you stream or buy music. And if you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and submit a review so more listeners can find us. Thank you for being here.